Welcome to the Soulful Sound Podcast. This podcast is about celebrating the leaders, teachers, and coaches who guide fellow humans to connect, heal, and discover themselves so they can express their gifts into the world. I am Simone Niles, a coach, sound healer, vocalist, and author. Thank you for being here with me today. Welcome everyone to a new episode of the Soulful Sound Podcast. I am joined by the beautiful Persia Lawson, who is a dating and relationship coach, three times author and speaker. She specializes in getting career-focused women healthy, exciting, meaningful relationships that are a force for good, not drama. Persia believes that romantic relationships are a vehicle for profound healing and growth and should have a positive impact not only on the couple, but their loved ones, communities, and even the world. Welcome, Persia. Hello. Hello. How are you doing today? So well, so well. And I'm so grateful to have you on the podcast. You're actually the first uh, dating and relationship coach that I'm having on this podcast so far. So I'm really excited to, to jump in. And one of the reasons that I reached out to you was what I loved about what I read was very much the inside out approach. And that's because a lot of the work that I do is very much about self inside your own journey, and then having that be reflected into the world. And I can see that kind of parallel coming through a lot of what you're sharing. And it really, really resonates with me. So I thought, yes, perfect approach. Let's go into dating and relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, In fact, my first book, the message of that book is something that my dad said when I was in a very low place that completely changed my life. He said, focus on the insides and the outsides will take care of themselves. Oh, yes. Yes, Dad. Thank you for the message. I love that. So I often just like to start with all of my guests just to get a little idea of your personal story into where, you know, what you're doing, what brought you into becoming a dating and relationship coach and so on and so forth. Well, I always start by saying just uh, to be completely transparent, I'm the least likely person to have ever become a love coach. Like Mm -hmm. I did not choose this career. This is one of those things that used to really annoy me when I was an actor, when people would say, oh, I didn't choose it. It sort of chose me. And I was working really hard to be an actor. But (laughs) but that's actually been my story with love coaching. So in a nutshell, or as much of a nutshell as I can make it, um, growing up, everything looked really good on the outside. My parents struggled with addiction. Mm. You would never have known that. Um, I didn't even really understand it myself. But the way that I dealt with that was two two ways. One was being a high achiever and being the best at whatever it was. And performing was always a really big part of my uh, life. And the other way was boys from a very young age. And it, you know, there was always a bit of, I was, you know, getting with guys, boys, very, very young. And what was interesting, it was actually when my parents got sober, when I was around 16, they both went into rehab um, separately. That's when you'd think it would all sort of, that would be the the happy ending. But for me, because I was very used to drama and chaos, when I suddenly got this like dream family life, when I went into sixth form, so sort of 16, 17, 18, I didn't know what to do with it. It was really uncomfortable. So I went outside of the family home and just like acted out a lot. And my love life was always the easiest place for me to do that. Mm. And then 
it just got increasingly more chaotic and dramatic as I went to to um, university and I lived in Canada for a bit, cheated on every boyfriend, had a lover on every continent. Then I ended up in drama school, which, of course, was like the perfect place to get really insane in your love life. Um, <laughs> and it just got worse and worse, like particularly when I came out of drama school and I and, and this was interesting because it was not like I was very used to even though life was chaotic, I'd be like, but I'm still achieving, so I'm okay. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've got friends, I've got boyfriends, it's all fine. And then I came out of drama school and my career didn't sort of take off in the way that I hoped it would or, or kind of, I guess, expected it to. Do you feel called to use your voice and sound in a healing capacity? Learn how to use your voice therapeutically to facilitate healing and well-being. Whether you want to go deeper in your own healing journey or facilitate others in theirs, this training is for you. This online training runs over five weekends and offers theory, practice, resources, and support on your path to becoming a qualified sound healer and for your personal healing journey. And found myself working in a strip club as a hostess where I got sexually assaulted in a really quite a brutal way. Mm. Um, after that went and did an acting job in China in Shanghai put on two stone in two months which I can now see was like essentially a trauma response to that sexual assault Mm. Um, and that when my I ran arrived back in the UK my parents were like okay something's not right because that's quite you know something's going on it's like a subconscious cry for attention so my dad took me away to Thailand and that's where he said those words Mm. Um, you know he said he was really worried about me and he said this like this advice completely changed changed my life focus on the insides the outsides will take care of themselves and that was like the real the launch pad for me to just mm-hmm. to to start dealing with what the real issue was and the real issue was not really my love life mm-hmm. but the issue was my relationship with myself because my love life like every area of our lives is a reflection of what's going on inside of us yes. and I was playing this giant game of like whack-a-mole of like there's a problem here. Okay, I'm going to try and deal with that. And then it, there's a problem. And it, and it was just, I was just, it's like everything just fell apart and I needed it to. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a real rock bottom and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, I would never have chosen it, but I needed to go through that to rebuild myself and my life on much mm-hmm. healthier foundations. Fast forward, you know, that, that you know, I, I got very into the self-development world. This is back in 2011. Um, went through another relationship very soon, like in that process, which was so hard. It was uh, and, and really beautiful. And I was learning a lot about myself, but he ended up cheating on me like I cheated on all these boyfriends. And that was, again, would never have chosen that best thing that ever happened to me because I, when that happened, I was like, I will never cheat on someone again. Mm-hmm. And I had to deal with all of, he was also an addict, fresh out of rehab, of course. And I had to deal with all the trauma that I hadn't dealt with when I was growing up because I thought, well, my parents are fine now. So that, you know, I'm fine. And actually it's like, they are fine. They've done the work, but I've still got to deal with what it's brought up in me and how I dealt with it in very unhealthy ways. And that's really been my journey, you know, soon after that relationship ended I've got my I got you know really into self-help and self-development started a blog with a friend that got a lot of press and attention because back in 2012 no one was people were doing yoga then and drinking green (laughs) juice no one was really talking about the anxiety depression heartbreak you know not really and so we got a lot of media attention we got a book deal um and then 
the year before that book came out, I met my now husband in a really magical way in a festival in the UK. Um, and we've been together now nearly eight and a half years. We got married last summer. We we're supposed to get married in 2020, but COVID hit. So we had to cancel yeah. a couple of times. And um, in 2016, so the year after our book came, mine and my friend's book came out, it was really interesting because we had a lot, we had like TV companies wanting to make shows with us and kind of at the height of the dream that I'd always had in terms of success, like even when I was acting. And my business partner and I, we felt called to go separate ways, mm. which was really unexpected, but I knew it was the right thing. And for, and the minute we made that decision, I knew that I wanted to focus purely on love life, you know, helping women transform their love lives as I had done. Um, and I'd done, you know, training in cognitive behavioral therapy, addiction studies, all various different modalities. And that's really what I've been doing since um, this, gosh, since 2016. And the last couple of years, I've been primarily focused on coaching and supporting women who identify as either leaders or career focused women. And I mm -hmm. coach them and teach them how to get what I call a true power couple relationship. Um, you know, I've got a podcast, I've got my book, my new book, Love is Coming, um, do events, have recent, like last year, kind of the last couple of years, got back into singing and, and actually now I'm doing sound healing, which was unexpected I got shown Amazing. it in a vision in ayahuasca um and so sort of using my my voice and singing and writing songs which I've always done has now become a part of my work as well and you know running retreats and it's sort of all just taken on a life of its own and that brings us up to where we are today that's beautiful well really concise and a lot of nuggets to pull from that and I didn't see that you're a sound healer as well so we have something in common there too yes. that's amazing well it was interesting because when you sent me the message to do this I've just been very much like universe give me what you got and the the stuff around sound healing just keeps coming so when I got your mm. your message I was like of course of course yes. <laughs> You've asked for this. There you go. That's beautiful. I love it. So one of the things that I want to ask, because you really spoke about this. I know this was a like a, a synopsis of something much deeper, greater and so on. But what are some of the things that I, maybe the landmarks or the things that people can notice when they're in an unhealthy relationship I know it's with self first, but let's say with other, because I think what people call toxic relationships today, they exist a lot, but a lot of people are caught in the loop or the cycle. What are some of the signs that someone would say, you know what, this is just not healthy? Mm, the most obvious one, you will feel like a crazy person. You'll feel like a junkie. Mm. So, so, well, there's two sides of it because you'll either be feeling like a junkie and obsessed and addicted and checking your phone the whole time um, if you're in a toxic dynamic, or you're going to be what well, I, you know, I've been on both sides, but primarily I was the avoidant. So mm. I kind of was just skipping along, not even aware of the trail of destruction that I was causing. So are you cheating? You know, some of these are really obvious, but it took me a long time to realize like this is not normal like this is not normal so are you cheating are you lying are you finding yourself lying a lot are you do you feel like your love life like everything in my life revolved around my love life mm. and it sort of just consumed every area every area I would think nothing of cancelling on friends to prioritize a relate like a boy or like meeting up with a guy lie to friends about it wouldn't think anything of that um are you just feeling like, yeah, you can't be present in other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, you know, it, there's a scale 
you might be in an abusive relationship and some sometimes that's really obvious you know you might be in a physically abusive relationship or a very overtly emotionally abusive one or it might be more insidious like it can Mm. be oftentimes it's very very subtle but you just feel like you're treading on eggshells around the other person or you're you know you're scared to go out with a certain group or whatever because that person makes comments or like they they control you in these sort of very subtle ways and I have to be really honest that I've been the you know I'm a control freak and so my relationship with my husband I've had to really look at how I control and I don't think that gets talked about nearly enough you know we talk a lot about men being the abusers or controlling Mm. in my life it's been me like I haven't really had controlling boyfriends I've been the controller and Mm. and that's been really uncomfortable because no one wants to admit that they're a control freak you know that they are like constantly nagging their partner um or even putting them down and and not in necessarily these horrific ways and obviously Mm -hmm. I have tools now where I can take accountability and own that but I don't think that gets talked about enough and 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 when I speak to the majority of women and when I call myself out on it they and they feel like okay if she's saying it then I and she's a love coach then I can say it and you know we have to you know primarily my work is founded upon this very simple basis of my love life and my entire life changed when I took responsibility Mm. for how I was showing up instead of just playing the victim and saying oh, it's all him and it's all you know I'm not saying that other people don't make mistakes and there's not abuse and all these things of course there is course. but we cannot change other people we can only change how we are showing up and so it's in one of the really interesting things I get you know some women come to me and it's very clear that they're the ones who need to sort themselves out a lot of women come to me and they are genuinely in that position where they think I don't know what I've done wrong because I show up for him. I do all the right things. I like, I just keep getting ghosted. I keep being disappointed. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And when we look at it, primarily the thing that they're doing wrong is they're not setting boundaries. They're not speaking up for themselves. They don't know who they are. They're completely chronically codependent. And I think that that's one of the biggest issues that people don't even realize. They just think that they keep being walked all over and treated like Mm -hmm. crap and they don't understand. They're not done anything wrong. They're such a nice person. There's a lot of work to look at your codependency and it's not very comfortable to do it no and I mean it's a lot of it's based on the self-worth isn't it what you think you're worthy of and that's so unconscious for so many of us the way that plays out in relationships and in life Mm -hmm. um and so for you apart from that that saying from your dad which you're rock bottom and you hear this and it just sparks something in you to make a change what are maybe some of the very first steps that you took to start looking within. I know you spoke about different modalities and self-help, but for yourself, what did you, maybe what was some of those conscious choices that you started to make so you can take that piece, that responsibility for what you were going through and experiencing at the time? So this is, uh, oh gosh, this is what I guide women to do in my program, Love for Leaders. And one of the women, she she just called it something hilarious, she called it the grid of many men. So the first thing <laughs> is to start getting really aware of your patterns, mm-hmm. which means that you need to look back. You need to look back because, because history has a lot to teach us. If only we were willing in today's world with everything going on to actually learn the lessons, because yeah. it's all there for us if you actually look at it. So you need to get aware of your patterns. The thing, and and to be honest, you can do a lot of that on your own. Mm. Not all of it, but a lot of it. The thing that 
is the hardest part that I could only the I couldn't get here without having mentorship and coaching and therapy and all of the various things because I couldn't see my own blind spots yes. is you've got to understand what the subconscious programming is doing mm-hmm. because that's where you know we forget 95 90 to 95% of us is ruled by our subconscious and if you think about an iceberg you know, you can be, you're just looking at, even when you're looking at your patterns, you're looking at the tip of the iceberg. You need to understand why are you doing those things? Why are you sabotaging it? Because, yeah. and and for me, this was actually really empowering that I was not, to realize I was not a victim, mm. to realize that the mess that my love life was, was entirely re- my responsibility. Not to say that there weren't factors, obviously my parents' addiction contributed, but listen, I've coached many women who've had the most idyllic childhood and they were still a mess so whether something happened along the way it's not always oh it's mummy and daddy's fault yes. um you know that a lot can happen in our life you might have had a horrific breakup or someone treated you really badly or something happened as a kid that you don't even remember mm-hmm. but there's gonna be factors in there like i show me the person who doesn't have stuff to look at and deal with yes. from their past however idyllic their childhood may have been yes. so that was it i had to start becoming aware of the subconscious programming that meant that however much work i was doing at a conscious level my subconscious is always going to sabotage it and bring me back to my comfort zone. And my comfort zone at the time was cheating, going out with addicts or addictive guys. And honestly, my love addict, my sex and love addiction, because I identify as, uh, well, recovering sex and love addict um, for many years now, but I, I nearly died many times because of the kind of guys and the kind of situations I was getting myself in. Yeah. You know, it was really dangerous for me. And there was um, there was something I heard uh, very early on the start that really resonated. And it was water seeks its own level, mm-hmm. which means that, you know, we uh, manifestation is something that gets talked about a lot nowadays. But we manifest at a level of where we are. Yes. And uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer said, you know, that in a in a really powerful way. He said, you don't attract who you want, you attract who you are. So that yes. means, it doesn't mean that if I'm a jealous person, I'm going to attract a jealous person. It mm. means if I'm a really jealous, if I've got a lot of jealousy in me, I'm going to attract a person who triggers that jealousy. Yes, yes. And, and so all of this was starting to look at what am I on an energetic level attracting into my life because it's comfortable for me and when I started to really do that deep subconscious work that's when the game started to change and slowly but surely I started to attract in different kinds of men and different kinds of friends because Mm -hmm. I realized how much my friendships and the you know where I was hanging out and who I was hanging out with was a really big part of the problem because environment dictates how we show up yeah Yeah, that's great. And I mean, it's the law of attraction. I had a conversation with a guest not long ago, and the way we were talking about it reminds me of what you're saying. And and instead, we were calling it the law of reflection. Mm. And that for me really sums up what you're saying quite beautifully in that from a sound healing perspective, and I know you can relate to this with your experience, we are frequency and vibration. And we, the vibration and frequency that we emit is what is then attracting those um, other frequencies and vibration. So for me, that responsibility piece, and I talk about this with my friends a lot, but that is the biggest piece I think that a lot of us miss. Yeah. That it's, oh, yes, other people's behavior is other people's behavior, 
But your choice in that is your responsibility, how you respond, what you decide to continue with or not continue with. You have to take responsibility for your well-being. And that responsibility piece, I think, is the piece that needs to be spoken about a lot. Yeah. And I, and unfortunately, I always have to be careful with my words here. But, you know, my generation, the millennials who were told we could do anything or, or have anything and, you know, all of that thing. We we are, this is obviously a generalization, but we have, we've become like pretty entitled and, and then obviously depressed because we we didn't get what we thought was owed to us or what our parents told us we could have or whatever it was. And and so, you know, the the we became generally speaking quite comfortable to sit in victim, to sit mm-hmm. in it's, you know, woe is me, it's the world's fault, it's it's the economy, it's this is that. Every generation has yeah, yeah. horrific things and really hard things going on. All I like I have had enough evidence in my own life and seeing, you know, coaching to be honest, thousands of women at this point, that when you you take responsibility, you go, yeah, look, there may be other factors and yes, maybe yes. we'll address them. And it's not to say that there aren't. And of course, let's be honest, the playing field is not level. So it's not to um, diminish those very significant factors. But mm-hmm. at the same time, we have a choice. Like, are we just going to go, well, the, the system is rigged against us, you know, we're never going to be able to buy our own house or, or whatever the, the issues and problems have are. You can do that, but you that means you stay where you are. Yeah. When you make the brave choice to go, I am going to show up, take responsibility, focus on the inside, focus on healing my relationship with myself. Your whole life will change in ways you can't even begin to comprehend. Like I remember thinking, I was like, I don't know how I will ever be able to afford a house. I don't know how I will, you know, ever be able to have a husband given like my absolute shocking history or never be able to not cheat or whatever it is. There's so many things now that I go, how on earth did I get here? And it makes me think of that quote, you know, we, we overestimate what we can achieve in a year and we underestimate what we can achieve in a decade. And my God, if I look back to where I was 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago, it's like a lot can change and you don't know how it's going to change. But I think it was Martin Luther King who said, just got to see the, the, take the, the first step. Yeah. Oprah said, just do the next right thing. You don't have to see the whole staircase. You don't have to know mm-hmm. how it's going to happen. You just got to get started. And the problem is too many people, when when they're coming from that victim place of like, especially, and well, not especially, but even if they have very good reasons, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of women I encounter, they have very good reasons yeah. to be a vic- to be a, in a victim place, yeah. but it won't get them anywhere. And I want, you know, I'm so passionate about helping women see you have so much more power than you realize. And I always come back to the serenity prep, Mm. the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference. The problem in the world today, or a big part of it is we are trying to control the things that we are actually powerless over. Mm. And we are not taking charge and responsibility and agency and action in the areas that we do have power over. Yes, yes. Yeah. I can have my soapbox. <laughs> I, I love that prayer too. I love that. That's brilliant. And um, I completely relate. One of the things that I, I feel very fortunate for the upbringing that I've had, one of the things that my mom always said to my sister and I'm all of us really, my brothers as well, um, was when you're thinking about going into a relationship, you want to think about it as 
doing a four-legged race rather than a three-legged race. Because often people enter into relationships, tie one of their legs together, and then if one stumbles, the other one stumbles, and we're all stumbling all over the place. Stand strong on your own two feet in your own wholeness so that you can attract someone else on their own two feet in your own wholeness. Now, of course, it's a beautiful expression. It's something that I always looked into deeper, didn't obviously always get it right because as you said, everybody, great upbringing or not great upbringing has has their patterns and their lessons and attract the people that are the best catalysts. And boy, do we do that to help us learn. And the last thing I want to touch on, because I think it's really beautifully put, is there is a difference between a victimization experience and a victim mindset. Yes. And, yes. and that's dis- that's a distinction when you're working with people, I'm sure. Yes. yes. Bad things happen. This shouldn't have happened to you. You've experienced, a, you know, as you said, a pretty hard sexual assault. That's not your fault. But you could have stayed in that. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. This happened to me. This happened to me. And not come out of that. You chose not to. Right. So this is yeah. a really beautiful thing. To yeah. That, thank you for making that distinction. That is really important. And I and I think that's it is. There are so many people who have gone through it. You know, another interesting angle is there's so many people who've gone through so much horrific crap, way worse than I've experienced. And they have found a way to like and often even that's that crap is often the catalyst Mm -hmm. for some people to completely change everything whereas some people have really not been through that much at all and end up being addicts or whatever and uh, there's an analogy I love that that speaks to this and it's so powerful the uh oysters as in oysters in the sea the way that a pearl is made in an oyster is that a little bit of grit gets inside the oyster mm-hmm. and the oyster has the ability to release this substance called nacre. And what nacre does is it takes that, you know, grit, that that foreign, like yucky, whatever it is, bit of grit that, that could kill the oyster mm-hmm. um, and it spins it and does whatever, some magic to it. And it turns it into this beautiful pearl. So it turns okay. the 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 bad pain or whatever into a pearl Mm -hmm. what's interesting is all oysters have the ability to do this to release nacre Mm -hmm. but some do and some don't I just always get shivers when I say that because I'm like that is just so true of human beings and I don't know what the answer to is there because you know some people will defend Mm -hmm. their victimhood to the hill and it's not necessarily proportionate to what happened to them of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I think that's, again, I just always want to just empower people to say it's not to say that the most horrific things have happened to you. And it's you were a victim in that situation. And and but do you want that to dictate the rest of your life? Because it doesn't have to. We have enough evidence to know now it doesn't have to. Whether yeah. you've had the most horrific, abusive partner relationship, you've been through the worst heartbreak. I am telling you now, I am where I am today because of my parents' addiction and because of, well, to be honest, it wasn't just one sexual assault. There's been several um, and really quite bad, some of them. And it took me a long time to even admit that because because I was like, I'm not a victim. I'm not, a victim. I went too far the other way. I was like, I'm not a victim. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I actually had to acknowledge that was what happened and not just skirt over it. So yeah. that's that's the other side of it. You know, there's obviously nuances, but I was going to be damned if I let that, affect the rest of my life yeah and so 
whatever's happened to you, you know, my relationship with my husband today is so amazing. And it, mm. it, I wouldn't have it if it wasn't for all the crap relationships before. Yeah. Because that's where I learned what I wanted, what I was going to tolerate, what I was not going to tolerate and, and what I was worth and what I deserved. Mm. Well, it's thank you universe for all the grit and yes. for finding the way to spin it into the pearl, right? That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah That's yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure when you're working uh, in the context that you do, heartbreak is a topic that comes up a lot. Talk to me about what heartbreak is to you and how you your view on it and how you help people to move through and really work through those moments, because they're really tough moments at the end of a relationship or in the relationship. Heartbreak. What's that? Yeah. Heartbreak for me is the well one of the biggest initiations mm. nothing will make you well I don't know if it, it doesn't actually make you willing at the beginning but you're basically given a choice you know to completely transform your life and to deal with your stuff and listen again not everyone does it took I had several heartbreaks and I believe heartbreak will do one of two things it will make you bitter or it will make you better Mm -hmm. And I had to go through a few where it just made me bitter. And my way of dealing with it was just, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just going to go and hook up with a load of guys, uh, treat myself like crap because I, you know, I took the heartbreak and the breakup to mean that I wasn't good enough and there was something wrong with me. And so I just ran away from my pain. And that is one way to do it. And it's the way a lot of people are doing it. Mm -hmm. But when I had, and I've had two significant breakups when I, since starting this journey, in 2011 and again because I chose to show up for those and feel it and deal with all the trauma that it reflected to me from my childhood from my past mm. I became a different version of my I was still me but I was I'd released so much baggage and I'm gonna I'm so full of like analogies because I like I love from my book I love them one <laughs> of my books that really links to this one of my favorite chaps in my book is like only a few lines and I don't even know where I heard this story but and I don't even know if it's true but it doesn't matter if it's true or not no, but no. you know the um the artist Michelangelo who did the Statue of David the Sistine Chapel you know amazing artist back in ancient days he was walking along with someone and they said, oh, you know, they looked at the statue of David and they said, Michelangelo, this is so incredible. How, how did you make this? Like, how did you create this? And Michelangelo said, it was simple. I just looked at the big block of marble and I just removed everything that was not David. Mm. And oh my gosh, I still get shivers when I say that because that's what I believe heartbreak is and the process of healing it's not actually what I initially thought it was it's not about changing and becoming someone else yeah. it's about removing all the layers of toxicity shame conditioning trauma that have covered up who we really are when a baby comes into the world that's pure perfection Mm -hmm. And then they go through life and we fuck them up. <laughs> you know, throw the layers like, on. <laughs> all the layers. So, yeah. you know, and I've done a lot of plant medicine and, and in plant medicine and ceremonies, uh, that's definitely a thing that it becomes very clear. I mean, literally in the purging and with ayahuasca. Um, but think it's like layers of of conditioning, limiting beliefs, who you thought you were, 
what you thought the world was it it just it just is removed yes. and and i think that's something that gets really missed out when it comes to manifesting is i think people are trying to manifest to get more and to become something else and, and they're trying to get away from where they are yeah but you can't you you have to it's it's you will naturally manifest all the good stuff when you just remove and release the crap yeah that's yes. what i'm trying to say yeah for sure so yeah. healing is so key so so heartbreak yeah biggest initiation the biggest opportunity yeah mm-hmm. and i have worked with many women now who've gone through horrific divorces mm-hmm. and are now in the most amazing relationships or you know decided they wanted to go and travel the world or start a new career and you know really rebuild themselves and their lives on different foundations and they said i've wanted to do this all my life but it took going through that experience to make them really go for it. Mm. So even though if you're listening to this in heartbreak right now, like there's a part of me that goes, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy because it is yeah. horrific. Yeah. But I also would would wish it on my best friend if I because of what's on the other side of it. Yeah. But you have to be willing to show up for it. Joseph Campbell said, "The cave we fear to enter holds the treasure we seek." Yeah. And the biggest treasure I ever found was from the process of heartbreak. Yeah. And I often for myself through my own experiences and conversations, I like to see heartbreak as um, our hearts breaking open for the light to shine through. And, you know, just like you're speaking about art, those cracks, those breaks, those that's all part of the masterpiece. But we often see them as the flaws or the imperfections because they hurt. They hurt like hell, the pain and all the stories that we link to that. And so it's really refreshing when you see it as an opportunity to just grow and learn and expand and know that that's just part of the process. I love how you describe healing. I completely resonate and pretty much say it in a, in a different way in the same in the, with the same meaning. Um, but I don't want to spend the whole conversation talking about all the hard stuff because I will give you an example of my personal experience in relationships. I would say I've had what I would consider pretty healthy relationships for most of my life. There have been some tough moments, like all relationships. I was in a 20-year relationship with the father of my children. We amicably and lovingly separated a few years ago, and that was there were hard moments leading up to it, but when we both got there, it was really beautiful. Okay, so I can say that there are a lot of people out there who have great relationships or let's say good relationships. So my question here is, what would you say is the difference between average and good relationship, things are cool, and this great sovereign, really aligned and connected relationship? Because when you're talking about relationships in your work, you're not just saying, okay, you said no drama. You're talking about women who give a shit. You're talking about this understanding of standards and what's possible. So talk to me about those of us who might feel, well, I've had some good relationships and I'm really grateful and I'm still learning. But here I am in this new frequency. <gasps> what's available? What's what's next what's that beauty that you want to help cultivate I love this question and it goes back to something I mentioned at the start but I didn't dig into because it didn't feel right then but now it feels right to talk about it (laughs) I I kind of I think I coined this term so I didn't coin power couple but Mm. I always the idea of the power couple I was always like "Eh, I don't know how I feel about it's a bit gross it's you know rich beautiful famous those are kind of what we assume are the 
credentials. And when we live in a very superficial Amazon Prime culture, you know, you're seeing all these big couples. And and as we've learned from your Kims and your Kanye's, those qualities, those externally focused qualities are not enough to help you go the distance or be happy in the long run. Mm -hmm. What I love and talk about is the true power couple relationship. And this starts before you're even in the relationship. And what this means is it's the intention to be in a equal partnership in which you have a positive impact, not only on one another, but on your loved ones, on your communities, and even on the world. So this is what you said at the beginning. This is sort yes. of my big mission in my work. So for some, that is like, you know, I've had clients where they go and set up charities with their partner and all these amazing things. I've had others where it's a lot more, I don't say hum- like kind of humble and modest and closer to home, but they are the couple that you go to when the shit hits the fan and you feel like crap and they will take you in and they will nurture you and look after you. And in fact, I was really clear, like before I met my husband, Joe, I was I was 29. I'd done a lot of work on myself and on my love life. But I wasn't thinking at that point then about a tr- I want to be in a true power couple relationship. But yeah. just before I met him, I was um, written the first draft of the fir- first book, The Inner Fix. And I said, you know, I am I want to meet someone who is, you know, at once adventure, but also stability, someone mm. who who supports me and encourages me and vice versa. I talked about all of these things. And I was very clear. I had this vision of like friends going, th- a friend being on our sofa and this hu- this partner of mine, I couldn't see his face or anything, but he was in the kitchen cooking for us. And we were like looking after this friend who was going through a really hard time. And I can't tell you how many times that's come to pass. But then, you know, more recently, we, because we got married last summer in this big weekend festival because we met at a festival we actually set up our own festival this year called peace and love and we raised uh, a big chunk of cash for our friend's amazing charity called yakum um, which replants the amazonian rainforest with indigenous communities and it was the most fulfilling thing ever and that is now like you know we're very into festivals and we've got a lot of good contacts and we're just going bigger and better and and that was it is because it wasn't just about us and even with our wedding, we were like, how can we not just, you know, put on a show because we knew it'd be a show. We're like, how can we make people experience the frequency of love? Not just the love because we're getting married, but the the essence of love within themselves. And I, we were like, we want people to ha- like this to be life changing if possible, yeah. which might sound a bit cringe. But that was the truth. And we had quite a few people say that changed my life, that wedding, Beautiful. because we wanted to, you know, we bought in sound healing, we're in all sorts of different things that we're very passionate about. And so it's thinking beyond you and your partner being happy. Obviously, that's a given. But what makes me and my husband happy is bringing people together and mm. helping facilitate facilitate transformation and these amazing experiences people who've never done sound healing or or you know people who just not in that world and do it and presenting it in a way that's like very easy and palatable and comfortable for them and it's changed our relationship Mm -hmm. you know another thing is we travel the world together new experiences new cultures and one of my other favorite things memories of with joe that illustrates the true power couple is you know we've stayed at some luxury places in our relationship traveled a lot our favorite memory whenever people ask us what was your favorite traveling moment we have the same one it's we went with my dad who's always trekking in Nepal in the mountains we went and and um helped at this 
uh, school that had been destroyed by the 2015 earthquakes. I was teaching the kids Shakespeare. Joe was helping rebuild the school. Uh, and it was so beautiful and powerful because, it again, it wasn't just about us sat a nice beach bar. There was some of that, in our, of course, in our six-month travel stint. But <clears throat> the thing that was game-changing was giving back. Yeah. And so... I don't think this gets talked about nearly enough and not not doing it in a, you know, virtue signal mm. way, doing it because you genuinely give a shit and yes. you genuinely want to have a positive impact. And that only is going to make you feel great in yourself and in the relationship. So that's my big why. That's the thing I'm truly passionate about. And yeah. now just getting to see the women I've worked with in these incredible couples doing amazing things. There's there's mm. it just gives me so much hope given the state of our world, you know? Yeah. And I think one of the things that you said at the start was it starts before you get into the couple, right? And so what is it that brings you meaning? What is it that is that you're connected to where you can share with others and be of service? Or I think expansion is also part of that. What are those things for you, those values and the things that truly light you up and matter so that you know stepping into the relationship and you can then share and communicate that, you know, vulnerably and honestly and openly and get to know each other at a deep level yes completely and that's really what I was doing because I was writing my book at the time before I met my husband and going back to we were talking about manifestation law of attraction before you're going to be in a different place you're going to be hanging out with different people you're going to be vibrating at a different frequency when you make that your priority and and so yeah it's just it's just so much more joyful and expansive to approach your love life in this way instead of like I just want a boyfriend because I feel shit about myself and my life you know Mm -hmm. the message of 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 my book love is coming is you know in this Amazon prime culture that we live in that that just tempts us to to treat potential partners very superficially and it's all very transactional Mm-hmm. We need to stop looking outside of ourselves for the partner we want to get. And we need to start looking inside of ourselves for the partner we want to be. Mm-hmm. And I would actually say the partner and the human that we want to be. Yes. How do we want to show up in this world? And, and again, this is not about virtue signaling. Go where you are lit up. Mm-hmm. Go where you are lit up and you cannot fail to manifest the most amazing opportunities and people not just romantic but yeah. you can't fail to yeah like I manifested this amazing podcast interview yes. with you and I was like more sound healing related stuff and it's yes just absolutely the world's our oyster exactly. <laughs> I love it and I will ask a little bit more about the the vulnerability and open piece because I know in and in the context of dating, because dating right now, I mean, certainly with COVID and now we're coming, we're out, we're back out into the world. I know that the online dating and apps and all of these things really flourished for a lot of people feeling like, how do I meet people if I'm not able to go out and meet them and all of this? I want to speak specifically about the dating side of things now. Um, and the reason I bring that up for my limited experience in dating, one of the things that I always, what I think of, like if I have a dating profile, one of the, the phrases that I make sure is really clear is that I don't do surface very well or very long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the depth going deeper, 
peeling back all that surface stuff that matters only to, to want to a point and going into that soul connection. Let's have those hard conversations. Tell me about the dating world. How do, how do people date now and successfully, if you like? So I love that you asked this question. So my my book love is coming in my program love for leaders this just to to contextualize this in in the in relation to what we've talked about already mm-hmm. so it's three stages and this I was the guinea pig for this and they took clients through it over time but it's the first is heal so we've talked yep. about that yes heartbreak all of this stuff looking at dealing with why you are where you are now yes. then it's attract this is about the dating the like the 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 actual dating and then it's commit that's you know once you've been doing the dating and you meet someone and there's there's chemistry and then it's the transition into the serious relationship and then really that first year and beyond of like where are you going because that's that's the journey that I've seen so for the attract part I talk about the four missing pieces of the courtship puzzle because and and I'm going to go and share those with what what they are in a minute a lot of people nowadays come to me and say it's a numbers game um it's it's wild out there you can't meet people in real life anymore. And it's nonsense. I'm like, if that's what you believe, that's what you will experience. Yeah. I have so many examples of, of people where that's not the case. We are animals. We were meeting people in real life for thousands and thousands of years before dating apps came along. And I want to be clear, I'm not anti-dating apps. I think dating apps were a great tool, yeah. but you have to be aware of you know, look, like social media, they are addictive. So if Mm. they're making you feel anxious and crazy, they're not serving you. You need to, like with everything, have boundaries around it. And that's going to be a process of trial and error. But I come back, I'm like, those things are things that, you know, and, and, you know, we we have a module on navigating online dating in my program, but that's that's not where we start. That They are like the details. Where mm-hmm. we start is the four missing piece of the courtship puzzles. So the first one of these is magnetic energy. Mm-hmm. This is about how to be embodied in our feminine, empowered energy. Um, and, you know, l- listen, we all know you can meet a guy, for instance, who's maybe he's no oil painting, but there's something about his energy. And that you're like magnetized to him. For sometimes it's because they're a bad boy and you know, all the negging and treat like crap. So it's not necessarily healthy, but sometimes it is. So the energy, our energy is the first thing we notice about anyone when they walk mm-hmm. in the room. We feel their energy. Yeah. The next thing, powerful discernment. So what this means, uh, I like to illustrate this with <clears throat> Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. She talks mm-hmm. about in her, her her book that followed Eat, Pray, Love, Committed, which is a really good book that not many people have read. Mm-hmm. She says, you know, back in the day, for a long time, our pair, our, our fathers as women, our fathers decided who we would marry and who we wouldn't. Now, a lot of that was linked with finances and, you know, power. Um, but if you're lucky and you had a nice dad, he'd also hopefully go for a guy that would treat you well too Mm -hmm. so women have not had power over our decision making in our love life for a very long at all Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of history so we have had to learn and what we're having to learn and and a lot of women you know there's no training in this well that's why I created your program but you don't you know there's not there's not all that much out there it's like we're just supposed to know like getting clear on what's important to you what values do you what what do you want what are your boundaries what is an absolute no-go so you've got to learn how to be discerning and the next part of that the third piece 
effective communication, this is without a shadow of a doubt the, the area women struggle the most. Yes. Because we've not, again, we've not been able to have our voice for very long. So we are very, we're like toddlers in the scheme of history. Women like in their dating life, we're toddlers trying to find, you know, how do I express what my truth is. So once we are discerning and we know what our truth is and what we desire, how do we effectively communicate that? That is a whole body of work in itself. And then the final piece, my favorite, well, everyone's kind of favorite and least favorite. Actually, no, magnetic energy tends to be people's favorite. This one's the hardest one, I think. Radical surrender. Mm. Because you can do all of those other bits you can do all the right things, you can show up for it, but ultimately you cannot make things happen. You know, you don't know who, when, how the love of your life's going to show up. And you know what? That's the magic of it. Yeah. The last module in, in um not module, the last chapter in, in um, the attract section and the last module of love for leaders in the attract section, I call the magic module, the magic chapter, because it's this, it's like, there is a magic where, and that's what makes life amazing. There are no guarantees and we yes. don't know how it's going to happen. But my love story with my husband, Joe, I, 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 I shared it at the wedding and in my speech, I'm like, I, I couldn't have written a better story. It, 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 mm-hmm. The universe, God, whatever you want to call it, divine intelligence gave me a story because, because they're very, I've always been very clear. I love a good story. I was an actor. I write books love a good story it was better than I could have ever come up with myself yeah and what a beautiful way to live your life that and this is my mantra my new mantra that I've been working with the last months is like everything works out better than expected mm-hmm. everything works out better than expected so our job is just to get out of our own way yeah. through the healing work through you know and and then the the four courtship puzzle pieces that I've just navigated through like we, sorry, my dog's getting restless. Um, but we, we've got to, you know, keep our side of the street clean. Yes. Best best uh, advice I ever got from an acting coach once was do the work and then leave it in the wings. Mm-hmm. Like do what you need to do, but then you can't. You don't want to bring all that work with you on the date or on the stage or whatever. No, exactly. Surrender it and just be present in the moment. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I love um, how you broke those adjectives down because it's not just having, you know, good energy, but magnetic and then powerful discernment, not just discernment. They're really beautiful. And I love the radical surrender because I work a lot in my own practice and in my work with that concept of surrender. Adding radical to it is really beautifully revving up the energy behind that because we don't have all the answers, right? If we leave it to that essence as you spoke about at the start that we truly are and we we do the healing that is continuous a continuous journey and we peel those layers back our frequency shifts and evolves and then we're in training which is that magnetic piece those other frequencies that are more congruent and harmonious Hopefully, even though I say hopefully, even though I'm not saying that the relationship is harmonious, but certainly it's congruent with your frequency and where you are in those moments. I love those four steps. I'm really I'm really happy to to have them. And I know everyone will be able to look at your book and check out more details. I just wanted to ask one more question. Um, 
because obviously we're talking about relationships and there are many types of relationships in a romantic setting. What are your thoughts? Because you use the word cheating a few times in your experience and in having that experience yourself on the, the monogamous and the polyamorous setting, because they're really two different paradigms. Mm-hmm. Do you personally have um, not necessarily a preference for yourself, but a thought on what, you know, how you can navigate those? Or do you think, no, poly is not the best way? What What do you think in your experience? Oh, I, I met many people who poly works really well for. <clears throat> I've met many people who explored poly, found that mm-hmm. didn't work for them. Yeah. I think anything can work as long as you, if you're doing the work on yourself and you know yourself and you're allowed to change your mind, yeah. you know, and explore. And um, as long as you're respectful to yourself, but also to the other person, communication, boundaries, it's actually all the same principles. Exactly. Like, it, it's all the same principles. But the only difference being that you were like, okay, I'm going to explore several relationships or you are or whatever. whatever. There's so many different, like there's such a big spectrum. So many, like, so, so many yeah. options. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the key is, and what I actually really do love about Polly is they tend to be much better at communicating because they kind of have to be. Obviously there's yeah. exceptions, but yeah, I so found that that it were it only works well when people really communicate and I think that the monogamous world needs to like actually take a leaf out of their book and go, you know, mm. because that's the key is like, you know, if you if you say something's okay with you and then actually it's not okay with you the fault like yeah as I said you might change your mind and then that's okay to say listen I thought I was okay with it turns out I'm not okay with it yeah but I take responsibility it's not your fault you know instead of all the shit that I used to do not in poly but just generally passive aggression being childish and by the way I can still do these things I am a work in progress like as we are Rome was not built in a day like I've come (laughs) on a way but I certainly am not perfect but I'm willing to keep going and I'm willing to keep showing up. And that's really, that's all we can do. That's all we can do. Yeah. And I'm really pleased that you were able to say it's the same principles because I have these conversations like a lot of us in different settings. And while um, I'm not choosing a polyamorous path, what I love about it is, like you said, the effective communication in a way, because you have to be those boundaries, but also being honest because it's not cheating. It's actually, this is what's expected in this setting. It's okay for me to be with someone else because it's an agreement that we have or not. And a lot of those principles I feel are missing in some of the conversations, again, that I have with girlfriends or clients in in a monogamous setting, but the principles are the same. So whichever paradigm or other side of the coin you find yourself, then it really is understanding that those those principles that you explained so beautifully. So thank you. I, I just wanted to bring that piece in because of course, people listening, not everyone is going to be necessarily looking for that one person to have a relationship with, but the principles of that, they go across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. So tell us a little bit more about your book. Uh, when is that coming out? Is it out already? I see you've yes, got this is it. out already. Love is coming. I am so proud of it. It took me five years to write this one. 
five years it really (laughs) was quite a slog but I'm so proud of it the way that I wrote this so the first book that I wrote with my friend the Interface, I love that and that was focused on like quarter-life crisis um but we've had women of all ages read it and so it was really helpful but that one was more your like a kind of total life overhaul very much kind of all areas of your life yeah this book is primary is literally your love life mm. and I wanted to I the inner fix was kind of more like a self-help book there was it was a lot of stories yep. but with kind of then exercises too yeah. with um love is coming I wanted it to purely be like really entertaining <laughs> I wanted it to be like it, it, and it worked because I've had loads of people message me and say this like I just couldn't put it down like I just mm-hmm. you know it really kind of there's lots of different stories with a lot of lessons in them yeah. um I wanted it to to be sort of like that it's there's some very very funny stories <laughs> and then there's there's some real tearjerkers like I really again it comes from my acting background I was like I want to take them on a journey I really want to entertain them I want to make them laugh on make them cry um Mm. so it's a really good if you kind of want a book where you you kind of want something entertaining but you want to learn something that's what that book that's the kind of vibe of that book that's amazing and of course we can get that across all platforms that's amazing where can people find you online Persia so the best place is Instagram at Persia. I'm just at Persia Lawson because it's that's got all of my links. You can go to my website, which also does PersiaLawson.com. Yeah. But on my Instagram, we've got loads of I've got loads of like quick little reels. Um, um, and also my podcast. My Brilliant. podcast is also called Love is Coming. And we were recently rated top three in dating and relationships in the UK, Yay! which is very exciting. Yes. Uh, so, Amazing. yeah, I, that podcast is great. I do lots of solo episodes and uh, we have like, you know, episodes where I'm coaching a group. So you actually like it's like sitting in on a group coaching, which is really Wonderful. powerful because you will identify with a lot of the questions um, and and what gets asked. And then we have some brilliant guest experts on there as well. So um, yeah, that's me. And one thing I do want to mention that's really powerful. Yes. I'm not going to lie, confronting. We have something called the Love for Leaders scorecard. Love for Leaders is my program. It's a year long. It's like doing, I think I mentioned earlier, it's like doing a, um, it's like doing, people have said it's like doing university bachelor's, master's and PhD in love. (laughs) It's really, (laughs) it goes in depth. Um, So that program, we also have something called the Love for Leaders scorecard. So that's on my Instagram. And it's basically 40 yes or no questions that are, it, they take you through the three phases heal attract commit and they ask you questions around that so you actually get percentages of like where you're at mm. in those different areas plus an overall to show you like how actually ready are you mm. for a healthy exciting meaningful relationship and then it because it because I think love can sometimes be quite woo woo so it's like let's make this more concrete and tangible yeah. and then it yeah. gives you bespoke tips around what you specifically need to work on so awesome. we've got really good feedback from that. And yes, yeah, some some questions you will just be like, oh, I don't know, I'm in the middle. It's like, mm-hmm. but they're like, why didn't you put a maybe? Because everyone would say maybe and you wouldn't learn anything. <laughs> you have to admit, yes, so like, no. it's like 51% more yes than I am no. Like just go yes. for whichever and, and finish it because there will be some questions you will want to not answer because it's like, ah, it's too confronting. That's um, awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to check that out. I, I'm really curious about that. I love being confronted and facing things head on, being out of the comfort zone. So make sure to jump onto Instagram. And of course, I will be popping all of the links with this episode as well to make it accessible and easy for everyone. 
But Persia, I have to say thank you. This has been joyous. It's been fun. I just absolutely love your energy. And I'm so grateful to have you here. The first dating and relationship coach I've had on the podcast. And I just celebrate you and all the work that you're doing to help people build and commit and have thriving, beautiful relationships with themselves and other people. So thank you so much. Pleasure. I've loved being on here with you. Thank you. So I ask all of my guests one final question, and that is, what is your soulful sound to the world, a prayer or desire that you wish upon the world? Mm. Oh, I just wish for the world that each one of us could ask, ask the question that's really been on my heart this week. How can I be of service to myself? Mm-hmm. And how can I be of service to the world? Because mm-hmm. when we come from that energy of what can I give rather than what I can get, the irony, the beautiful irony is that we actually end up getting so much more anyway. Yeah. But yeah. it the joy is in the giving mm-hmm. and the joy is being generous with our time, energy, who we are, our spirit. So, yeah, what can I give? Yeah. And I love again that you started to myself and to the world. So be generous with yourselves, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share it with your friends and remember to subscribe. From my heart to yours, sending you love, healing, and sound wherever you are.